Okay. Yeah, this is going to be great. You can't do an interview in Paris without there being a lot of street noise. Well, that's the noise of Paris. It's good. It's of the atmosphere. Okay, so we're here to talk about Gaston Gallimard. He was born in 1881 and was the... Uh, founder and originator, president of uh, the Gallimard publishing empire. I want to start though with his grandfather who made his money by inventing a protective nipple and I have no idea what that protective nipple was. Not but me. <laughs> what does that mean exactly? That's what I wanted to know. They <laughs> pulled. <laughs> You mentioned that his, yeah, he first made his money. Let's see where it is. Right there. I don't know because it's in English. Yes. And nipple, I don't know the, the meaning. Maybe at the time it was, it was important. Uh, anyway, nowadays it doesn't mean anything because uh, there's no nipple anymore. Anyway, I think that the father of Gaston Gallimard... That was the grandfather that did Yes, this. but the, he, the most important is his father. Yes, and for sure. And it's important because his father, I think, he inherited a lot of money and uh, he bought theatres. He was very fond of theatre and of, of actresses. And uh, he bought a lot of of paintings, paintings yes. of his time. This is very important for the education of a young Gallimard, the, his taste. Even the son of, of Gaston, Claude Gallimard, said that he grew up in the atmosphere of paintings, of impressionists, of a very high taste. And uh, this is very important, I think, for the education of both of them. Even Antoine Gallimard, talks about that. Well, I think there is nothing less from the connection. They don't have any connection anymore today because when Gaston decided to build the, the company at the beginning of the century, he sold a Renoir, a painting of Renoir, to buy the, the building of Rue Sébastien Botin. Yes, so <laughs> yes, it plays an important role, right? Yes, yes. Well, listen, this is a description of his father, his father Paul. You say he loved to loaf, live, read, go to art shows, enjoy the pleasures of life, travel and visit the best libraries and museums in the world. And when he went to Argentina, he wrote the ca a catalogue raisonné of the collection at the museum in Buenos Aires. What yes. a life! He was like a, a, a connoisseur. It's a question of connoisseurship. What we call in France, a dilettante. He had the money. He had to, the to money. Yes, I think you know a lot of students after they study, uh, they do what we call the grand tour. Uh, all over Europe, in museums, in Greece, Italy, Spain. Yes. 
tradition. Yes, yeah, it's a tradition. I think there are, there are a few people that never stopped <laughs> yes. the world tour. He was uh, this kind of man. It's his whole life. As you say, he was uh, a womanizer. And, and, and Gaston too. What is important in the favor of Gaston? Uh, I wrote a little bit, a few pages about him. It was quite striking though, I thought. It was, uh, yes, but it was important because it shows what could be the life of Gaston Galibard. Because he had the money too. Yes, when he was 20, he could be like that. He could and have wasted his life, basically. I think he started like that. Yes. But uh, he met a few people. Uh, when he was very young, he translated poems from German. He likes books, he likes writers, he likes French literature. Well, that wasn't enough to become a businessman. No. But I, I think the most important was the meetings of good people in the good side. What, what Greek call uh, Kairos. The Kairos, it's the opportunity to meet the right people in the right place at the right time. And that's what happened with him? I think so. And who were these people? People like him, rich, and from the Grande Bourgeoisie in Paris, Jean Schlumberger, André Gide, Jacques Copeau, Drouin, the few people that founded La Revue, Nouvelle Revue Française. And uh, they were all coming from the same milieu social, you see, and uh, La Grande Bourgeoisie. That's important. It was at the beginning of the century, just before the war, the First World War. It's yes. important because it's, it's a very special atmosphere. People always talk about the, the cultural atmosphere in, in Paris in the 30s. They are right, but they forget. Right? It was much more interesting before the First World War. Picasso, Braque, of course, Impressionism before, but the Cubists, all these people, all these painters coming from all Europe, they were all in Paris. Paris was really the, the center of life, cultural life in Europe. That's where these people met each other with Gaston Galibard. And among them, Gaston was the only one to have maybe, I wouldn't say the sense of business, but the sense of money, something like that. He was not a businessman. You say that he was one of the few people who realized that you had to print and publish books that were popular in order to fund the kinds of books that were important. Not at the beginning. At the beginning, before the First World War, they were just fond of poetry, of Claudel, you know, the first books, and it was really uh, an artisanat, you see. Well, just a small shop, a very small one. And they had a dedication not to be commercial. It was like that. It's after the war. When he didn't go to the war, Gaston. No, he was petrified. He was petrified and he did it on purpose uh, to be something like a madman, a silly man. He got uh, papers from doctors, friends, uh, saying it's impossible for him to go to the war. It's Funny, not true. It wasn't true and it's pathetic because I read all the, the letters between all his friends. 
his small circle. And uh, they were all in the war fighting. Except for him. Except And they were all telling to each other, such a pity for Gaston. He's surviving in a hospital, in a psychiatric hospital and so on. No, he was not at all. He was at Maxim's restaurants every night. They felt bad for him, but he was having a good time. But he was also, he also got very depressed, didn't he? No, no. Bullshit. That's, I think you wrote that, that he said he that... Wrote he wrote that, but it was rubbish. He pretended to be depressed. He pretended everything. Okay. No, no, he, 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 he won't. He wanted a good life. He didn't want to, to be killed. That's all. Yeah, I think I could relate to it, though, because he was talking about how stupid it is to die for a bunch of asshole leaders who yes, want to get course, you in war. Of course. It was not political. He has never been uh, a political... He, has never, he never had a political involvement. Never. No, he couldn't stand politicians. He couldn't care less. Yeah. It's like Wilfred Owen's great poems of, uh, yeah, but, yeah, of but, rejecting, uh, rejecting war and yes, not but, following the leaders. Yes, but Wilfred Owen went to war. He, he did. He <laughs> did, but it's his message. That's difference. Of course. <laughs> it's a big difference. No, he actually lived it and how, saw yeah. how terrible it was. But Gaston didn't have to go to war to see that. He knew it right off. And, yeah, yeah. But are you calling him a coward? I think so. I think he was a kind of coward because at the time, you know, when you see uh, a lot of people, like uh, Charles Peggy and others, writers, Alain Fournier, they were killed during the war. So anyway, after the war, he really started his, his company, like a, a real company, a small one, of course, but like a real company and not just a shop to sell the uh, review. And uh, in the 20s, of course, we, we were publishing poets, novelists, and very good writers like Claudel, Gide, uh, etc. He never got along with Gide, though. No. But he has a, a committee of, of uh, readers, a readers' committee, which is very important. And in the 20s, he started to tell them, if you want me to keep on publish books like yours, you must let me publish book most popular. Saint-Exupéry, but uh, mainly Simonon in the yeah. 30s, in the yeah. 30s. Yeah. Simonon, Joseph Kessel in the 20s. At the time, the committee of Gallimard, they say to Gaston, not at all, forget Kessel. This is too bad. This, this is, is lowbrow. We don't want this lowbrow. This is too popular. It's not good for our reputation. Of course not. And it doesn't have anything to do, nothing to do with uh, literature. Yeah. So they were wrong, of course. But it was a case for, for Simonon and Kessel mainly. Would you say this is, this is one of the key reasons why we still have Gallimard today? I think that's one of the reasons. I guess another one would be his f focus on durability. That's the main reason. For me, that's the main reason. Gaston, at the very beginning, until the end, and even now, the Antoine Gallimard, 
he has a, 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 a point of view on literature and on writers. You never published one book. He hated the one-shot book. Yeah. He was just interested in love, non écrivain, love. All the books, all, all the future of, of a writer. Not the, 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 the no. entire work. The Sorry, anti- I just didn't the, understand the, the entire yeah. work. I thought you said love. No, no, love. 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 Sorry. Uh, because the entire work, it, it's a bet for the future. Yes. That's interesting. And in front, in front of Gaston Gallimard, you should never forget that we were Bernard Grasset, his rival. And rival, this one, Grasset was exactly the opposite the contrary of yeah. Gallimard. As a man, he was nervous, he was charming, he was very clever. Gallimard was very calm, placid. He was always interested by the long durability. Grasset, would you say, is he more impulsive? The impulsive. He was just interested by the one-shot books. He was the first one to make publicity for books. Yes, in a big way too, right? Lots of big advertising. Yes, and it was very new at the time. And very successful too. It was successful, yes. Would you say that one of the reasons that France doesn't have as many literary agents uh, is because of this bond between the publisher and the author is perhaps more sacrosanct than it is in America, where the agents are pushing to get as much money out of the well, publishers for each book as they can. I have an agent for a long, long time, but it's very rare in France. It yeah. is quite exceptional. Because of this long-term relationship? Yes. It's because in France, first of all, never forget that it's a literary nation. Second, this is the nation where were born the intellectuals. The notion, the concept of intellectual were born with Emile Zola and the Dreyfus case in Paris. And third of all, as you said earlier, there is a special relationship between the writer and the publisher. First of all, never forget, France is a country where all the publishing industry is concentrated, focused in three, three streets in Saint-Germain-des-Prés. What are the three streets? It's around Saint-Germain-des-Prés, Boulevard Saint-Germain, and a few, a few around between Rue Sébastien Botin, Gallimard, and uh, Grasset, Rue des Saint-Pères, just in front, and mainly all around the Église Saint-Germain-des-Prés in the café. Café de Flore, Café de Debago, Bras Philippe. That's where they, they sign contracts. Still? Yes. Yeah. It explains why publishers in France don't like agents. They, they, they dislike. Them because they like to have a personal, intimate, very intimate relationship with a writer. And don't forget something else. We are a Latin country, we are a Catholic country. People are ashamed to talk about money. 
Yes, and, and that's what agents are there for. Yes, it, in a way it's interesting how an agent can bring up money so that the author doesn't have to bring up money. That's one reason to well, use them. That's why I have an agent. The first big agent in Paris for 40 years is my, is my best friend. What's and his I'm name? François Samuelson. He started 40 years ago and I was his first client. And he's still my agent and my friend. Yes, it's very interesting because he has your best interest. Of course, he has his interest at heart, but the two of you have your interest at heart, which is different from what the publisher's interests are. Do you know how he started 40 years ago and how we met each other? At the time, I just published my biography of Gaston Gallimard okay. in, a small, in a small publishing company, Independent. It was very important for in the, in the, independent. Okay. It was very important for the for my book because uh, it's a I difficult book to get published. I was right? I was scared because you, what you say is there's so much secrecy. They, they in, wanted in to make a trial in publishing. They wanted to sue me. Claude Gallimard yeah. wanted to sue me. What was and the name of the publishing firm? Ballon. B A L L A N D and. My book was uh, translated in a few languages and sold abroad, not in English. And in a cocktail for a book, for some, someone else, I met François Samuelson. He was just coming from New York and he has, he has been, a, he, he learned the, the, the job of agent in New York and he was as young as me 40 years ago. We met each other, we talked. And he said, I think I'm going to open an office in Paris. If I do it, will you be my first client? I said, I don't know, what can you do? He said, uh, I, I read your, your biography of Gaston Gallimard. I learned a lot of things. Is it translated in English? I said, no, nobody wanted. He said, let me try, because I cannot imagine that this book is not in English. And two weeks after, he said, OK, I sold it. And we started like that. <laughs> That's excellent. So this really, really is an it's important, a very, very important, it's important for, yeah. for you. Okay. It's a symbol. Before I forget, let me get you to sign it. Yeah, no, I will. I will do it. I will. I will. I, I won't forget. But I do forget, though. That's no, no, but I won't. I won't. Okay. So Gaston, let me just run this past you. You say he is unique and exceptional. Why is that? Because uh, he made an empire, it's uh, the most important publishing house in France because uh, so many Prix Goncourt, so many Nobel Prizes, so many prizes, so many successful, so, so everything. Yeah, his, everything. his durability approach was hugely successful. Yes. In my opinion, it's, that's the secret of a success. He built a backlist. He built the most beautiful catalogue you can dream. I mean, for any publisher in the world. And you know, more than, than a century after the, the beginning, the company sti is still owned by the family. This is very important. That's the difference with Weidenfeld, Harcourt, and so on. All of them, yeah. All of them. They've all sold out. Except for Faber. Faber and Faber? Ah. Okay, that's the one. But even in England, you see, even in no, England. they've all sold out mostly to so Americans is, and Germans. Gadiba is a very good example. 
Yeah. What about Hachette? Hachette, it's a group. It's not a public Czech house. It's a, it's a group owned by Lagardère. But it's a French group. It's a French group. Yes, yes. Okay. Yeah. But not a family, obviously. Not anymore. No, okay. Sorry, I interrupted. But it's one businessman who bought it. But Hachette, it's a conglomerate. It's a holding yeah. of a few companies. It started so, off as a distribution company. Yes, so yeah. this is different. Yeah. Gallimard, it's a Gallimard, it's something else. It's a name. So it really still has a wonderful, what, French identity. It is very French. For me, it, it's unbelievable that one century after the, the, the birth of, of the company, it's so big, so successful, and it's still in the hands of a family. What's, uh, what's the reason for that? The spirit, the soul, soul, S-O-U-L. S-O-U-L, the soul, yeah. Soul and the spirit. Of the, of the family? Of the family, yes. Because Antoine Gallimard, the actual uh, owner of Gallimard, yeah. with, with his sister Isabel, but he's the, he's the, the boss, his school was to be next to his grandfather and to learn the, the job next to his grandfather and to his father and uh, this is very important. So Antoine uh, purposefully sought out to learn the business from his yes. grandfather? Yes, from his grandfather yeah. and from his father too, okay. Claude, who, who, runs, who, who used to run the company next to his father, Gaston, and after his death during 25 years. So it's important because there is an uh, inheritance of yeah. some, some, something. Some magic. Something which is not material. Of yeah. course there is money, of course there is a catalogue, of course there is... But an example, sometimes Gallimard publish books, for instance, correspondence between André Gide and Albert Camus. Books like Cambridge University Press uh, publish, you know, with a lot of footnotes. Well, it's impossible to sell these books. It's impossible. <laughs> you just have a, a, a few <laughs> libraries in the world. Right. And people like you and me, maybe. Maybe. Yes, people like us. So it's crazy to, to, to publish that, but it's great. Yeah, and each time I said to Antoine Gallimard, it's, it's fantastic. He said, I know when I publish these books, but I'm going to lose a little bit of money, but it's not matter. It's important to publish it, it It's very important, yes. because my grandfather yeah. asked me to do it. He yeah. said, if, if we don't publish that, Gallimard is not Gallimard anymore. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, that's what makes one love the family heritage and, and you know, the importance of families in publishing firms. And uh, the, the, the sort of the gentleman's profession is what it was called. Yes. No longer though, it's all these conglomerates, it's no longer, a, what are you saying, except for Gallimard? Gallimard, maybe, maybe Gallimard. But, uh, you know, he's my publisher, but I'm very proud to be, I, I could be somewhere else, there's no problem, anywhere. I'm, I'm published by Gallimard for 25 years, and I'm very proud, because I mean, it's important. You know, Gallimard, let's say it differently. In France, we have what we call l'exception culturelle, the cultural exception. And uh, what is it? 
For me, it's Gallimard. For me, it's France Culture, France Musique. There are radios just about books, cultural music. It's, it's unbelievable. Yes, But because it's, it's not done for profit. Not at all. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. I mean, it still exists. And uh, I want to say to, to my daughters, I'm not sure that it will exist when your own daughters will be older, because it's unbelievable. So if you like culture, say... Well, it's a sad situation, really, when you think that everything is, everything is dependent upon money these days, instead of, as you say, a sort of spirit of what's good yes, and right. Yes, and, and some, and sometimes Gallimard publish books, I mean, popular books. Of course. They have to survive. But, for instance, they survive. Nowadays, they can publish poems, for instance, poetry. Who buys poetry? Nobody. Yeah, yeah. In France, nobody. No, and in North America, nobody. He, he published poetry thanks to Harry Potter. That's right. <laughs> That's right. But you also say that he surrounded himself with competent, competent people. They are competent. They are very good uh, readers at Gadimars. Yeah, there always have been. Always. From day one. They are very good editors. And, uh, well, they are readers first of all. And they have good businessmen as well. But this is not a company run by managers. The problem in France and in America and everywhere, but nowadays, people like Sony Beta. He has been my publisher in America. He used to be the, the publisher of... Knopf. Knopf. Yeah, I had drinks with him about a month before he died. Ah, this is a, a Greek loss. But Sonny Beta, for instance, he was the, the archetypal man who could be a manager, a businessman, and a fantastic reader. Yes. But this is very rare. Well-rounded. Yeah. However, Gaston Gallimard never stopped trying to get the best French and foreign authors. Never. Never, never stopped. Because uh, you are right to, to say it. There are foreign writers too. The Hemingway, for example, Faulkner. All, all of them, all of them. Yes, Gone with the Wind. Gone with the Wind. That's him. He, That's has, him. he had the news because Faulkner, Hemingway, this is something else. They were published by very important publishers in America and they said you should have a look at that, this is important, etc. And thanks to the translators. Because, for instance, Maurice Coindreau, uh, a translator at Gallimard. There's a very important translator, yes. aren't they? He, he, he brought at Gallimard, Dashiell Hammett. Raymond, Raymond Chandler, and, and so on. There's an interesting story around Gone with the Wind that you tell in yes. your book. Yes, Gone with the Wind is something else. Because Hachette was grumbling about how long the translation would, would be yeah. and how much it Because it, it was very him. big. That's it's such right. a big book. He has the news because... Uh, he lost it to start with though. He didn't take it to... I know, I know. Yeah, yeah I know but, you wrote it. But, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, Gone with the Wind was the bestseller in France during the war. And because it was a very good book, of course, a very well, good it, novel. It sold 800,000 copies in France. 
but during the war it was forbidden. It was forbidden by the Germans. By the Germans. Of course. Yes, because it was an American novel. So people used to buy it at the black market. Very expensive. And it was a bestseller. Yeah. But I can, I can imagine during the war you, you want something to, to escape. And it was ideal to escape from the time. You also say that he, that Gallimard, would stop at nothing. Charm, wit, kindness, attention, but also double dealing and double talk. And you, you emphasize that. Yes, so, so, sometimes, yes, sometimes he was like that. But what was the most important, I think, is that when he meets a writer for the first time, Mm. He used to say, listen, I'm going to publish your book, but we're, we're going to sign a contract. You promised me to publish all your books at Gallimard's, not just one. And uh, if you want, I can give you a kind of salary every month to help you, but you, you must stay with me a long time. Regardless of how long it took him to write it, he would keep giving yes, him salary. Yes, because he say. Uh, I'm betting on you. So but publishing is a risk. Of course. It's, it's a job of player. If you're not a player, you cannot do this job. Exactly. André Ballon, my publisher, was a big player. Poker, casino, <laughs> everything. And he always said to me, if you're not, this is, this is a game for players, publishing. One line that I found very interesting is you talked about his lordly, lordly manner, and you yes, said that that yeah. made all the difference. Yes. What, what does that mean? He was a gentleman, very well educated, and uh, it's important. Even if you are a writer coming from the people, coming from the, the, the lower class, he has a look. He was always dressed in black and always uh, wearing what we call a bow tie, the papillon. The papillon, yeah. Do you know why? Yeah. Because every evening after the, after, after the work, he left his office and every evening he went to the theater. He loved theater. Well, he got involved in the theater. Yes, early. yes. Yeah. The, the Theatre du Vieux Colombier. He, he, he found, uh, he was one of the founders of Théâtre du Vieux Colombier, but he loved actresses, and he loved theater. So after his, his work, he, he went to the theater. At the time, when you went to the theater, you used to be well-dressed. It's not the, the case today. To, today, uh, it doesn't matter. So he really carried himself, he comported himself with a sophisticated Yes, not too so he was not a dandy. Uh, no, not a dandy. No, no, he was not uh, a Brummel, Brummel. Uh, but uh, he was very smart, and uh, he loved women, and women <laughs> loved him a lot too. Yeah, just he, he, had, he had a lot of mistress. Yeah, okay. Was that common, or was that unusual? For a man of no, he, well, it was common. It was from common. a man of his milieu, of his, yes, yeah. of his origin. It was it was quite common.
Although I think his son Claude, not so much. Yes, no, Claude was like him, but he was very shy. It was something else. Claude was the man of one woman. He was very serious. Yeah, he was numbers. Gaston, it was something else. Well, it's, I, it's, it was his father's influence. And Gaston was very close to the writers because all the writers of Gallimard in the 70s, they were born as writers in the 20s in the same time that Gaston was born as a, as a publisher. So it's important. They were companions. Well, I think that's... Again, that's what's lacking today, is that I just know from my own business experience that my success prior to becoming poor doing this was because I bonded with a couple of people and we were close friends and that made a, a huge difference, that helped us to succeed. It's important, and you see Antoine Gallimard the actual boss of Gallimard, for instance, Patrick Modiano, Modiano, the Nobel Prize, published all his books on Gallimard for 60 years. Leclésio, another Nobel Prize, published quite all his books on Gallimard. Kundera, Milan Kundera, the same, and a lot of them, French or foreigners, but they all, they are, and they are all friends of Antoine Gallimard. It makes a, a difference. Yes. And you know, I know that thanks to Kadweiler. Kadweiler yeah. is it's another of my uh, biography. And I, I wrote his biography because, for me, he was the Gallimard of a cubist. Interesting, okay. the see, art dealer. Yes, this art dealer, he was the Gallimard of a cubist. That's why I was interested and, and was attracted by him. Because he said, Kadweiler, you can be the dealer only of people of your generation because there is a special relationship to the same generation you have the same sense of humor you like the same music you grew up with the same experiences exactly yeah. and it was the case for gaston with all his writers it was a little bit the case for his son claude mainly the case for antoine so it really is a personality that attracts. Yes. Yeah, that's a big part of the business success. I think that's yeah. one of the secrets. You mentioned that Gaston wrote no memoir because he had too much to, <laughs> he too had much, too much to tell too much and to he tell. could tarnish authors. No, he couldn't. He couldn't and uh, it was very difficult because put it this way when you write your memoirs, you say the truth or you don't say anything. And if you say the truth, a lot of people well, will, you can will, will hate though. you. You can write a, a no, memoir that's but, full of... But, but not him. He wouldn't? No. It would either be the truth or no, nothing? No, he was very honest. For instance, he, he hated all the decoration. He hated the French Academy. He, he couldn't understand why people from uh, Gallimard, I mean writers, could be French uh, academicians. <laughs> they were close to God, they thought they were. You know, in France, a lot of people have a Légion d'honneur. A Légion d'honneur, it's a decoration, that's it? Yeah, on, on, it's like on the order the of Canada. Jacket. 
And uh, each time a minister proposed him to have a Legion d'honneur, he said, no, thank you very much. I'm not interested, but my brother wants one. <laughs> Raymond. Raymond. Because never forget, and I didn't say it, it's very important. Grasset was a lonely man. Lonely. Lonely man. But Gallimard, it's, it was a family. Bernard Grasset used to say, oh, it's easy for them. They are a family. I'm just by myself. And of course, Gallimard was a family, he's still a family, and Gaston shared his own office with his brother. Yeah, face to face. Face to face. There's a picture. Raymond. In the book, yeah. Raymond. And Raymond, it was a business. And Gaston, it was the literature and the writers. Gaston, all his life, every morning, two or three hours, he used to write letters to, to, to his. Uh, his writers. That's wonderful. You talk about a rich, interesting life. That's yeah. uh, how you have it. He, he yeah. communicated and a lot. And a lot. Yeah, yeah. he has connections Re with all the publishers in the world. You know, he didn't speak English. He didn't speak Spanish. So no. In his committee of readers, he has translators. Alexandre Vialat wrote the twenties Kafka. He brought Kafka because he read German. Benjamin Crémieux brought Pirandello yeah. because he read Italian. Yeah, really a, a, an international reach. He was always looking for the best. Always. Okay. You spend a lot of time on the war and the occupation, the German occupation, and it isn't pretty. Uh, a, war, a, war, a war is never pretty, but there is something worse than a war, it's a civil war. When we talk about the occupation of France by Germans, we always forget that it, there was inside yes. a civil war between the French themselves. The collaborators and the non-collaborators and resistors. Gaston Gallimard was clever enough to be exactly in the middle of all that. It was exactly his personality to be a go-between, to be not to be left on the left, not to be on the right. To be, to be hard to define. Uh, no, no, it was not that, far, that hard. No, you're quite condemning. I, I don't, I don't condemn. First of all, don't forget, all the publishers were open. All the publishers signed the auto. All of them. So they're all guilty. But they didn't have a choice. All the hotels, all the writers, don't forget something. In June 40, at the beginning of the occupation, Gallimard was closed, like all of them. Yeah. After two months, there were negotiations, and they reopened, which means that being reopened, it was a, the, the opportunity for the, the writers, all the writers, to get money. He helped the writers get money. All of them. There's nothing wrong with that. I mean, you cannot say, uh, this is disgusting, they should, they should uh, close. So No, you're right. How, how do they leave? How, how do you uh, condemn someone for trying to survive? But he did it his way. For, for instance, you, you had to publish German writers. 
Goethe. Yeah. He published the whole. Yeah, works. The, he just published classical Goethe. He, yes, in the, in the Pleiad. Uh, no, not in the Pleiad. The yeah, you'd say. Yeah, it. in the Pleiad. Yes, yeah. yeah, Goethe. But Goethe and classical writers, but he refused to publish Nazis. Yeah. But he didn't say it's a shame. No, he said, let's see that later. Dada Grasset published Nazis, published collaborators. He has a, a very big trial and he, he's been sued. He was sued, but he only, it was what, three months in. Uh, yeah, but, but he was sick. He was in a psychiatric hospital. Yes, he, he, he suffered depression yes, for real. He, it was finished for him. It was finished. No, Gallimard was very clever. During the war and at the liberation, after the war, it was very clever. He did agree to shut down the famous magazine that he'd uh, been publishing. Uh, which magazine? The, uh, I always get this wrong. No, he, NRF or NFR? Uh, NRF, oui, yes. NRF. Yes, the, the review, the French review. He didn't have a choice because he published it during the war, the occupation, and all the titles of magazines were forbidden at the end of the war by De Gaulle and so He said it's better to close it during a few years and afterward, after a few years, we shall reopen. They, uh, now, was it, it wasn't Malraux, it was Marois who talked about shaving the head and then eight years later the hair grew back? Mauriac. Mauriac, that's right. <laughs> it's, not, it's not very far. It's right, all these M's here. Uh, you know, Grasset, had a, he made a special collection okay. for the, the four M. Morois, Malraux, Mauriac, Morand, and yeah. Monterland. <laughs> yeah. We talked about Grasset. Can you tell me a bit about Robert, uh, is it De Noël? Yes, Robert De Noël was a good publisher. It sounds like a, a very interesting character. Yes, very. Well, it was a small company. Robert De Noël, who was Belgian, he had a very good sense of literature. He was the first publisher of Céline, Voyage au bout de la nuit. Huge. And, and uh, More à Crédit. So the masterpiece of Céline, it's thanks to Robert De Noël and uh, to Aragon, De Noël made a mistake to be very, very involved with German and uh, collaborators during the war. He has been killed. He was shot. Shot. And no one, it's a bit like Kennedy, no one really knows what happened. Who or why or if it was just a... There are a lot of hypotheses, a lot of speculation. Still now we don't know. Now, Gallimard respected and I think liked Grasset. Yes. He, li he liked the competition. Yes. It made him better. But he has a great respect for him. But uh, Juilliard, another René Juilliard, he hated him. I wouldn't say hate. First of all, it was after the war. Not war. the same generation. You know, Juilliard, uh, it, it was a good publisher, but uh, it was a small one. What's his story? Well, he started in the 50s, I think. No, it's not very... And he sold his company after 20 years to Hachette. No, the, the big... The big thing for Julliard, mainly, is François Sagan. Bonjour Tristesse. That's all I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 
Have we missed any other really important French publishers? Gallimard de Noël. Before Gallimard, we were Kalman Levy. Kalman Levy, in the 19th century, was the publisher of Flaubert. Is there a biography of him? Yeah. Jean-Yves Mollier. Jean-Yves Mollier? Yes, he is a historian of a book, like Robert Dalton. In English? I don't know. Don't oh, it's, know. it's possible. Yeah, he okay. published his book exactly the same month as me. You published in 83, I think, um, because it's interesting, as we alluded to, French publishers have brought out very few books about themselves. When I published my biography, it was very new. There were nothing about publishers, and they were very jealous of their secrets. It was impossible to read the archives. Impossible. Each company held their own archives, right? And it was closed. And it was closed to the public. But yeah. To everyone. There were a lot of programs of, on TV and radios with Jean-Yves Bollier and me about publishers when we published our books. Uh, that was the starting and the sign, signal of uh, the opening of the publishing companies in France. Because since this time, now, there is a very big center of archives, mainly devoted to the publishing, the publishing history. So, let me get this straight. There is a center in Paris. Not in Paris. Now it's in the country. It's in the country? Yeah, not far from Paris. That contains the archives of most of the major French publishing houses. Yeah. I've got to go there. <laughs> I am a member of a, of a board. <laughs> yes. That's really, really great. And I didn't that, know about that. That was, that was very new <laughs> at the time. Uh, it yes. was very new. Well, it's, it's such an important yes. archive to Forced. maintain. The, the two books forced publishers to, to really open their archives yeah. and, and their past. Isn't that wonderful? That re so this book really had an important impact. I think so. Uh, I shouldn't say No, I, I can say that. But uh, yes, it has an impact for that. And for instance, Edition de Minuit. Edition de Minuit, it's a very small one, but very prestigious. Publishing uh, firm. Yes, it's the, he's the publisher of Beckett, Samuel Beckett. Uh, yes, okay. Of Marguerite Duras, of a lot of them. Who founded it? It was special. It was founded during the occupation to publish books illegally. Against Germans, the Germans. By a few, few, few members of the resistance. After the war, they say we got to stop because it's a it's a real job, and we cannot we cannot afford it. And a young man, Jérôme Lindon, said, "I can buy it, and I will do it." Do you know John Calder? John Calder, oh, yes, yes, yes. Published Beckett. He's the French John Calder. Isn't that Same kind of books. Yes, okay. And, and he he passed away ten years ago. And now his, uh, his daughter is running, is running the, the house. He opened the archives, before it was very secret, he opened the archi his archives 20 years ago to uh, uh, young historians, and uh, she made a fantastic uh, biography. Of, the biography of, of the house. Of the company? Of the house. Oh, isn't that great? But everything 
is in the center I'm talking about. That's fantastic. What's the name of that center again? Ibek, I must write it for you. Because really, when you think of it, that Minui company is the essence of democracy and publishing. To publish whatever you want to say in the face of tyranny. Yes. It, it's a model. That's right. Well, well, thank you so much for telling me about your, uh, your excellent book, Gaston Gallimard, A Half Century of French Publishing, written by Pierre Azulin, who I've been speaking to, and translated by Harold Salomson. Your... But not exactly. My, my agent is Samuelson. So it's no it's, relative. It's a, it's a coincidence. Very good. And uh, that's published by uh, Harcourt Brace. Well, actually, it's a it's a Helen and Kurt Wolf book. Yes. Published by by her. And I met I met uh, Helen Wolf. Did you? Yes. Yeah. So it's copyright 1984 by Edition Balland, and it's it was published in 1988 by Harcourt Brace. Thank you, Pierre, uh, so much for for talking to me about this uh, excellent book. You're welcome.